You are listening to The Sauna Show, a podcast that explores new ways to combat modern life and reclaim your health and vitality. My name is Sebastian Miro and I'm the CEO of Clearlight Saunas International and a passionate entrepreneur and health enthusiast. I'm sitting down with scientists, holistic health practitioners and change makers in the wellness space to talk about all things detox, health and happiness. Hi everyone, we had Robert Bruce with us today and he explained a system, a personality system called Enneagram. And it's absolutely fascinating. It was founded by a monk in the fourth century who observed his fellow monks and realized that they all fit into one of nine types of personality and coping mechanisms. Each type has a different coping mechanism. And we all more or less exactly one type. And, and, and the beauty of this and what I found the most fascinating about the Enneagram is it helps you to understand why you react to people, why you get yourself wound up when someone says certain things to you and um, why people react to you, you know, what, what, what are they about? This system explains really well how you can actually go around these pitfalls and what type you are to start with anyway. There are many more others. And fascinating to hear from Robert Bruce, who is a facilitator of the Enneagram, where the origin of the system li lied and where, um, how they actually discovered how this all worked out. It's a fascinating episode. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. So welcome on the show, Robert. Thank you, Sebastian. Lovely to be here. Ah, very nice to have you here too. Yeah. Hey, um, I haven't come across the Enneagram before I met you. Mm -hmm. I know people have mentioned maybe the, the word, but I, I had just no reference of what it is about. What is the Enneagram in a couple of words? Well, Ennea is the Greek word for nine. <coughs> so it's a nine-pointed diagram. And each of the points represents a, a psychological type. So we tend to be one of those nine types. Um, so you know, there are many psychological typing instruments. But I think the Enneagram is one of the most useful and one of the most deep uh, instruments available. Ah. Is that similar to many other um, mm, typing typing systems based on Carl Jung's, Jung's work? Or? Yeah, uh, Myers-Briggs, mm. of course, is ah, okay. um, um, what you're referring to. Mm. And uh, the Enneagram is similar and you can correlate some of the types on the Enneagram mm. with some of the types on Myers-Briggs ah. um, to some extent. Yeah. I think the great attraction of the Enneagram is that it, uh, having found out what type you are, it also provides a way of moving out of your type. Um, so with Myers-Briggs you find that you're an ENFP and to some extent <laughs> That's the end of the story. <laughs> What do I do about that? Yeah. <laughs> And it does give some insights. Right. Uh, um, but the Enneagram also gives a lot of insights. So what would be the main benefits for people looking into Enneagram? Well, we uh, run some workshops under the title of Know Yourself, uh. Understanding Others. And I think to some extent that summarizes uh, one of the great benefits of the Enneagram really getting to know yourself at a deeper level. And here we are, we're uh, strutting and fretting on the stage of life. <laughs> and uh, it's worthwhile just stopping occasionally yeah. and wondering why. Yeah, why are we doing what we're doing? Mm. Um, what am I um, trying to avoid? Or what's driving my behavior? Mm. Mm. And... Uh, And we, can, we get to be very familiar with that in other people. It's much easier to see it in other people than it is in ourselves, of mm, course. Mm. Um, yeah, so knowing yourself, I think, is, is a very important uh, purpose in life. And, yeah. and we do meet people who have, over the years, been able to n know and understand themselves. Yeah. And I can see that that would be a tool that any human should really have to understand how they interact with their with the others yeah. and how the others act. I, I know that for, for people who are at a register, like dealing with a lot of customers, sometimes they create this wisdom themselves that they just say, they're just people, or they say, they would have probably just had a really stressful day, you know, and mm -hmm. they have quite a bit of empathy because they've seen a lot and they understand that it's not about them. 
Um, but a lot of people get also triggered by other people because they act in a certain way. And um, if, if I understand the Enneagram right, having talked to you a little bit before this recording, it, it gives you the ability to also see, well, really, it's my stuff. And mm -hmm. that's why I'm offended by this person. Or yes. I can see that they are acting in a certain way, probably because they were raised of it or they're just that type. Mm -hmm. And again, I, I don't have to take that personally. That's right. I mean, it's very important to be curious about our own behavior. Hmm. Uh, why am I being, mm. being triggered by this other person? <laughs> um, you know, what, what's happening for me? Mm. And our temptation is often just to react or blame or uh, uh, get away from what's happening. With I mean, triggering is one of the great opportunities to know ourselves. Mm. What's going on inside us? What what is the pain within that's being touched by this other person? Yeah, and uh, that's a great uh, window mm -hmm. on the soul. <laughs> 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 and and where did the enneagram come from? <coughs> well, it had its early beginnings back in uh, 320 AD. Oh, wow! With a gentleman called Evagrius, huh. who was a uh, a monk in the desert and he noticed in observing the other monks that although they're all dedicated to the idea of self-knowledge and connection with with God uh, that each of many of them had a particular way that interfered with that connection and he found there were nine different ways mm. uh, which kept them distracted Wow! and they were known as the nine passions and that was the foundation of the Enneagram. As, a, as an aside, uh, there was a Pope who came along a couple of years later, and he liked, liked the idea mm. of, uh, uh, of the passions. Um, his name was uh, Pope Gregory the Great. Mm. Um, but there were two passions he didn't like. Uh, one was vanity, and you can understand why someone with a yeah. name like that... <laughs> might like vanity yeah and the other one was fear so he reduced it down to seven and they became known as the seven deadly sins which you may have heard of yeah wow uh, but not not to be concerned with the goings on of the pope the enneagram <laughs> went back to nine <laughs> and continues to be nine to the present day um but it's been a, a people have added to it over the years the sufis in fact contributed quite a lot to some of the understanding of the Enneagram. Mm. Um, there was, uh, but in the last 20 or 30 years, it's really been taken over by the psychologists mm -hmm. and they can see that it really does provide a wonderful insight into behavior and uh, why we do the things that we do. Mm. And we all do slightly different things depending on what type we are. Ah. So once we crack the code of finding out what type we mm -hmm. are, it really gives us a big step up ah. in terms of seeing our own behavior, Yeah, catching ourselves in the act. Ah. And how do you f find out uh, what, what uh, type the person is? Well, uh, you can do uh, lots of online quizzes that mm -hmm. you can do, which work up to a point. Um, you can also recommend, uh, you can read books and listen to what other people say about the types. Mm. Um, so it tends to be a, it, it's not an immediate thing, but you do drop in and you become, it becomes very clear mm -hmm. what type you are. Ah. Um, and that's part of the journey, of course, of mm. yeah, discovery. Yeah. Uh, yes, there I am. And when, pa when people see it, sometimes they cry and sometimes they laugh. Wow. And, uh, often there's embarrassment about... Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard you saying they, um, <coughs> they, the types could be also called coping mechanisms, would you say? Yeah, I think the types, it's a, it's a personality structure uh -huh. and we... We use those structures really to uh, cope with the world. Mm. And you know, a little baby comes into the world and, and uh, you know, things are happening. There's lights, there's noises, mm. and they begin to develop ways of 
protecting themselves. Mm -hmm. And as they kind of move, th go to school, move through life, they continue to um, develop these ways of protecting themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are nine kind of packages mm -hmm. <laughs> that we can choose from. How interesting that it's nine, that it's, you know, that it it's really def definitive they're not more. It's yeah. just we're one of nine. Yeah. 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 And it's been consistent over the yeah over the millenniums. Yeah. Sixteen hundred. And the the theorists say that we come in as a particular type, so we are born a type. Uh -huh. And most mothers would agree with this. That they will tell you that, well, little Johnny came in mm -hmm. and he was like this. Mm. And here he is, 52 years later, and he's still behaving. Uh, much wow. there's, there's a consistent pattern of behaviour that we hang on to. Yeah. And we hang on to it as a way of coping with life. Yeah. That, that's why they call them coping strategies. Yeah. So we don't know how we become a type exactly? No, there's a lot of research as mm. to... Um, it kind of seems to be there when we arrive. <laughs> mm. um, for instance, they've done a lot of research on twins mm. and they find that twins usually are not the same type. Mm. Uh, and siblings uh, who've had the same genetic background and the same family experiences uh, are usually not the same type. Mm. I mean, there's a one in nine chance that they will be the same, but uh, mm. apart from that... Uh, it seems quite uh, unpredictable. <coughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So and maybe it's, I don't know, it depends what you'd believe about yeah. how we got here. Yeah. And what happened before we arrived. Mm. Well, the answer must be somewhere there. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's very philosophical. Mm -hmm. It's very existential. <laughs> <laughs> so, so staying with the facts, what are the nine different types that there are? Okay. Well, uh, I'll just go through them very quickly. Sure. Uh, type 1 is sometimes called the reformer, hmm. and they have a, a mission to improve themselves, mm. improve the world, mm. and improve others. So a lot of the inspiring leaders of the world mm. are type 1s. They see the potential for a better world, and they set about trying to achieve that. Mm. The downside of a one is that they can become kind of critical and they become overly concerned with fixing everything. Mm -hmm. uh, the type two is called the helper, which uh, kind of uh, describes <laughs> what they do. <laughs> yeah, they're very supportive. Uh, and, you know, where would we be without the helpers in the world? Mm. And often they're part of the helping professions, you know, nurses, teachers, and so on. Yeah. Um, what would be their downfall, Murta? Uh, <laughs> the, uh, well, the upside is that they're, they're really helpful. The downside is that sometimes, as they become less healthy, they're giving to get, so they're looking for some uh, validation. Yeah. The giving is actually motivated by... And need to get validation, uh -huh. uh, and so they can get quite um, disappointed if they've, they've been doing things for you and you forget to acknowledge uh -huh. what a good job they yeah. they've done. Uh -huh. Wow! After all, I've done for you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <coughs> and they can very easily move into a kind of martyr role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three is the achiever, and they uh, kind of uh, are committed to productivity and efficiency and looking good. And mm. so many of uh, the successful people in the world are threes, and they're attracted to nice cars and nice clothes and often very charming people. And if you want to get a job done, give it to a three. Mm. Um, the, their downside is that they become overly uh, fixated on how they're presenting to the world and uh, they lose connection with their own feelings. So they have this kind of mask that they're 
they're presenting to the world to get some kind of validation. In a way, superficial? Which is superficial, mm. yeah. Mm. Uh, and that's not really who they are. Mm. Um, they suppress their own um, feelings mm -hmm. to make sure their performance is as good as it can be. Mm. <laughs> so they don't throw a tantrum. <laughs> <laughs> So some of the really smooth operators, like Bill Clinton, is the classic case uh, yeah, of uh, yeah. a very uh, charming three. Yeah. Um, uh, the four is sometimes called the individualist, and uh, they're the kind of creative types. They want to be different. They want to be extraordinary. They're looking for depth and meaning in life. So a lot of the... Uh, Performing arts people, La Fours, they create from a deep source that perhaps none of us understand, but there is something there that mm -hmm. they connect to. Mm -hmm. uh, they're also the kind of tragic romantics. Uh, they really want uh, connection, they want feelings, uh, they're not, uh, they want depth in relationships. Mm. And they tend to be a little bit um, uh, painful at times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, woe is me. And, you know, quite happy to die in a, a garret. Uh, mm. uh, just for the sheer joy of the pain. Wow. Um, so we're up to five. So the downside is really that they... The tragedy. Mm, that they, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, up to five, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, the five is the investigator. Mm. <clears throat> so they love information. They love ideas. They're like the uh, walking dictionary. Uh. So they spend a lot of time accumulating information and trying to work out concepts uh, about the world. <laughs> Um, and often they're very innovative and some of the great scientists and philosophers of the world, so Nietzsche mm -hmm. uh, is a good example of a five, but their ability to connect with people, to have any kind of heart connection with the world is very limited. Mm. Uh, they live in their heads and uh, that can be very exhausting for them. Yeah, probably also not connecting maybe to the heart necessarily. No, that's right. Uh, just uh, trying to explain everything logically. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, yes, a limited, like all the types, it becomes a limited way of living. Mm -hmm. uh, what would be number six? Number six is the loyalist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... They're very concerned with keeping things safe mm. and looking out uh, for others and looking after themselves, trying to make sure everything's going to work okay. Is it people who work in the medical profession and hospitals are that, or is it more the, the helpers that work there? Well, yeah, I guess all it's, it's often hard to categorize these types by profession, mm. but... Sixes would love working in uh, insurance <laughs> or safety yeah. or occupational health, mm -hmm. uh, just looking for the things that might go wrong. Mm -hmm. They have a sense of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So they might work for local council, kind oh, of okay. keeping the water systems working mm -hmm. and uh, keeping it going for the rest of us. Mm -hmm. um, they make very... In a way, although they're very concerned and sometimes a bit anxious, they also are great team players. Huh. And uh, people like... Everyone likes sixes except for sixes. <laughs> <laughs> Because they take the limelight away, the other sixes? No. No. Uh, no, they're very uh, worried. They, they can be... Uh, the downside for sixes is that they become anxious. Uh. They're worried about what they should do next they're kind of indecisive um, they've lost the sense of guidance from the universe mm -hmm. and uh, so at the negative side they become anxious and worried yeah. mm. and oh and, and that's the downside right yeah yeah, yeah. and the 
<coughs> the seven is called the enthusiast. Their response to life is to lead it as fully as possible. So they're, they're experience junkies. They're looking for right, yeah. as many experiences as possible. And they get totally enthusiastic and carried away with the, uh, the possibilities of life. Like and they tend to jam as much as they possibly can. <laughs> so if you're having dinner with a, a seven, uh, yeah, they'll arrive uh, at... Uh, uh, they'll arrive late and probably leave early because there are another three parties that they have to go to. Wow. So really uh, trying to keep as busy as possible mm. and always anticipating the future rather than actually being with what's happening now, what's happening here, mm -hmm. what's the joy of being right, right here, right now. Okay. Instead of where am I going on holidays next week? Right, so there's no presence. No the presence. Moment. Yeah. Uh, huh. They're the fun people. They really. Uh, yeah. It's fun to be around the seven. <laughs> <laughs> the eight. Uh, the eight is the uh, the challenger, sometimes called the boss. Uh, so they're. Uh, Are you laughing because that's you? No. <laughs> <laughs> they like to be in control. Ah uh, yes. My way or the highway. Ah. So they're the tough boss that some of us have experienced. If you do it like this, yeah. uh, they don't. They don't have a great tolerance for other people's views. Mm -hmm. So often the old traditional idea of a, a chief executive was mm. you know, the the tough guy mm. who uh, we're going to get this done. Uh, we're going to crash through, mm. whether you uh, like it or not. So uh, they like to be in control. They like to be uh, telling others what to do. Mm -hmm. And they feel safe. Uh, they're concerned about keeping uh, people around them that make them feel safe. That uh, sounds like me. Uh, a bit like Julius Caesar, you know. Give oh no, that doesn't sound like. <laughs> <laughs> give me, give me men who are fat around me. <laughs> right, uh, so, so that can be very lonely, of course. Yeah, and ver I mean, not everyone wants to have a relationship with uh, a dictator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Donald Trump is a, is probably an eight. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And certainly Putin would be a very yeah, good right. example mm -hmm. of a, an eight. Yeah. 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 And a nine, of course. Uh, the nines are the peacemakers. Huh. And they, uh, they're kind of easygoing. And uh, uh, they tend to be comfortable and kind and accommodating. Mm -hmm. And they're looking to try and bring people together and create a relaxed environment. Um, their downside, of course, is that they can be uh, overly accommodating, mm. overly agreeable. They say yes when they really mean uh. no. Uh, and um, you know, people, other people who are trying to relate with them often have trouble kind of knowing yeah where are you yeah, uh. yeah it's lovely and pleasant and warm and mm. cozy mm. Uh, but uh, yeah tell me who you really are yeah okay interestingly a lot of the mass uh, mass murders in the u.s are perpetrated by nines wow uh, yeah amazing very accommodating and yeah. uh, agreeable, and then flip, flip. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's probably a gross generalization. Yeah, yeah. But uh, talking about gro uh, uh, generalization, is there um, a ratio for the world? Of, uh, is is it evenly distributed, or do we have only a few challenges, challengers, and those around the world, and then we have a lot of helpers that sort of agree to that and support them, or or is it not quite like that? Well, there's no way of finding out, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the people that come to your workshop might be particular types. Yes, uh, yeah, you have pe yeah, if I was to tell you the types that come to my workshop, yeah, that wouldn't necessarily be very uh, reflective of the population. Oh, I see. If you forced everyone in prison to do the 
mm. questionnaire. Mm. Again, it wouldn't be very reflective of yeah. the general population. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, my sense is that there seem to be a lot of ones, the reformers, a lot of twos, uh, and quite a lot of sixes. Mm, but, but again, that's just my experience. Yeah. So. Uh, probably mixing with the wrong groups. <laughs> <laughs> Must be. <laughs> and even though you were saying that um, people come in as one type, is there a way to move through that type into another one? Like, do people change throughout their lives to become something else? Theoretically, you remain as your primary type for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. What you can do is to become more healthy in your type. So uh, that's the challenge, not trying to change type. Mm. trying to move up to higher levels of health. Mm. There are kind of particular, a few other particular mechanisms which momentarily might take you to another type. Mm -hmm. <coughs> But we won't go into that here. Mm. <coughs> And you'll also always come back to uh, home base. You always come back to your home, yeah. home type. Yeah, yeah. So, so there are positive traits and and downfalls of, of each type and if so if people find out what type they are and, and, and maybe they have a consultation to find that out properly and, and, and do a workshop what, what would be an example of how they would how they would be able to change the, their, their world view or, or you know how they interact with the world like could you give us an example of one and, and how that could play out hmm well I guess let's use one as, uh, as an example mm. type one the reformer mm -hmm. Um, as, as we said before, the positive side is that they're trying to make for a better world. Mm. They're trying to improve themselves. They're trying to improve other people. They're trying to fix things in the world and finding out what's wrong. Mm. Having found out that they are a one, um, they might be able to catch themselves in the act of doing these things. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh shit, there I go again. <laughs> Uh, do I really need to be trying to fix my partner? Mm. <coughs> um, or am I being overly judgmental about my boss? Mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> maybe she's not such a bad person after all. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's just my strong ideas about right. what she should be. Yeah. Uh, so... It starts to give a perspective on uh, on life and yeah. Um, yeah, and kind of just bringing it back to yourself. So yeah, why am I feeling like this? Why am I wanting to control and fix everybody? Yeah, and why am I being so triggered by people who aren't doing the right thing? Mm. Uh, yeah, so. All of these yeah, become quite tiring, of course. Uh, fixing the world's a yeah, big job. Mm. And, yeah. So, and, um, so there are probably differing strengths of expression of, I guess, th their type. And yeah. maybe also, um, not only <coughs> their type, but maybe also how much they are in, in the mode of more the downfall of that type versus mm. the, the, the up upside of, of being how yeah. they are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the beautiful thing about the Enneagram, which I think is what makes it so valuable, uh -huh. are the levels of health. Uh -huh. And uh, they found that not only can we work out what type we are, uh, we can also work out how healthy we are within our type. Mm -hmm. And there's quite a lot of accurate description about defining and seeing where you are on the levels of health. Uh. So there are things that we can do, apart from what I just talked about, mm. uh, of knowing what the type looks like and uh, being able to catch ourselves in the moment. I think the important thing about the levels of health is that at any particular point on the, on the ladder, so to speak, mm. when something happens, when we're triggered by someone... Uh, Yeah, that's a really big opportunity mm -hmm. to, do we want to react in the usual way? Mm -hmm. So if we're, if we're a one, do we want to kind of go into our uh, reform package, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, which is about judgment and blame and uh, 
fixing things or can we just stay in the presence of that mm. and uh, just be there with the discomfort we're feeling and uh, if we can do that often enough mm-hmm. that becomes habitual mm. and uh, we slowly release ourselves from our coping strategies oh, okay and we begin to move up the levels of health to a much higher way. This is redemption. Mm. We're not being bound by uh, these structures and coping mechanisms. We're relating from essence, yeah. from authenticity, uh, in presence. Oh. And it's lovely when you, s- when you find yourself with someone at these higher levels of health mm-hmm. yeah, you can see you can see that there's something very beautiful going on mm. yeah. uh, do they have names like uh, is this is it like a one to nine or, <laughs> or one, yeah, to one to nine. <laughs> oh, it is actually <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a coincidence isn't yeah it? Uh, <laughs> and um nine types nine levels of health yeah 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 do they have names no no it's just one to nine yeah, yeah. they have very good descriptions of what it might look like oh okay um, but they're not names. Yeah, yeah. It's not like the types, that, yeah, the reformer. Yes. Yeah. So do we naturally, is there a natural progression that you would expect for a healthy person in a healthy environment, whatever that means, um, when they get older? To is, uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the risk is, as we move through life, we keep building these coping strategies, and each time we react to someone, Each time we go back to protecting ourselves, Mm. we're cutting ourselves off from life, Mm -hmm. cutting ourselves off from the heart. Um, The risk is as we get get older, um, then these shells get thicker and we become, uh, yeah, uh, the the poster that was around a few years ago with uh, three beautiful babies Mm. across the top and three grumpy old men down the bottom and the poster said what happened (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) and what happened of course was they kept uh, reacting uh, from their type Mm. they moved further and further into type and protected themselves completely from the world and from all the beauty that is there so with that work in, in these workshops would you then assist people to um to find the right questions to ask when they react I, i'm sure well you know i'm just imagine like if if i would set up a workshop <laughs> like that i probably would would f- um create traps like <laughs> situations for that type and said like i put you into one where i know that your type will react to certain things and i will be able to point that out to you so that you learn or you know have that awareness to this is one of those types and or one of those incidences where you react and then i guess the next step would be then let's find a better way to <laughs> mold mm. that differently and flow through the situation without reacting that's broadly the uh, the hope it's not quite as structured as uh, <laughs> as that <laughs> i gotcha <laughs> yeah, <is that? laughs> uh, but there's a lot of experiential uh, work that we do with the people working in pairs and just mm. um, exploring why they do particular things and why. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we have a thing called the repeating question. So, uh, <laughs> is it was it the same question all the time? Same question for ten minutes. <laughs> like, w- w- what is it like? <laughs> why? Is something like that? Like, wh- and why? Oh no, it's, it's kind of more structured than that. But uh, mm. um, tell me the tell me the ways you uh, tell me. The, I mean, uh, on a positive sense, tell me uh, the gifts you have brought to the world, which is a nice question. Yeah, because each of the type have specific gifts they bring ah. to the world, and. Uh, and for instance, uh, the type one we talked about, they tend to bring fairness and equity to the world. Mm. And so for type one, it's lovely for them to do an exploration of you know, the times in their lives that people have looked to them for fairness and equity. Mm. Um, you know, obviously for a two, the helper. Yeah. 
tell me the times when you have brought support and love to, mm. to the world. Mm. Yeah. So it's different to it for each type what you actually ask there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And they become familiar with that dynamic and they can begin to recognize that in themselves. Yeah. And that's very, very beautiful. Yeah. I guess you start to accept yourself and... And often we don't acknowledge the, the good parts of ourselves. Um, mm. We tend to be a bit overly critical and we can find what's wrong, but often we can't find the good things, the way we yeah. do support the world. You found that in your work that that's a really typical human trait? Yeah. Ah. yeah. And peop uh, people often have trouble with that exercise because mm. it's, it's almost uh, counterintuitive. Wow. I wonder, that is, that is so interesting and it's, it's quite sad actually because it is. I think any person in my life, I could answer the questions for them. Yes. I know so many, you know, good things about them and, and you know, all the beauty they bring and there's, there's always something, even for people I don't know probably, I just look at them and say like, I know that you, you bring the beauty or I can see the joy and that makes me joy or so whatever it is. But for themselves, it's not that obvious, huh? No, that's Jeepers. right. You can yeah. do it better for them than they can do it for themselves. Wow, yeah. we need to change that. Kids yeah. are much better with that, right? P people, kids are probably you yeah. know proud about what they've done and you yeah. know happy to to share what yeah. that excited them. Yeah. yeah, and we just get cut off from from our hearts. Hmm. Th this cut off. So mentioning kids because I'm I'm really fond of kids and thinking they're pretty perfect, <laughs> but yes. they can't. They come in as a type. So. Um, I just assume that when they're young, they the type is maybe not as obvious or is not as much in the way. What mm. so what would trigger that progression to m the type becoming a problem, the downfalls come becoming more often, mm. and the triggers and so on? Um, of course, they come in with a lot of innocence mm. and uh, without all this uh, craziness. Yeah, and, um, and as I said before, uh, things difficult things happen for them. Mm. And they begin to uh, develop coping strategies. Mm -hmm. And of course, none of us would be alive today if we didn't have coping strategies. So we can't. Uh, yeah. We have to rec recognize that there is a purpose there. Yeah. Uh, it's just particularly if we have adverse uh, conditions as a child, uh, we become uh, preoccupied with trying to survive. Mm. We don't trust the world. We know uh, we know we have to protect ourselves, so you know we uh, we get cut off from from the innocence that we knew as a child, mm -hmm. and uh, so it helps having a, a good family life. We don't have to protect ourselves so much. Yeah. Right. So that that's that's an important one, eh? Hey? Yeah. 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 And and then. Um, yeah, if that wasn't the way it was, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> as yeah. It, yeah, most of us had div did have some trauma in our lives, mm. even when our parents were doing their very best. Uh, you could almost call it accidental trauma. Yeah, uh, things happened at school that were difficult for us, so we wanted to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we need to start being able to to see the dynamics of this that we don't have to allow this pain to continue to accumulate mm -hmm. and uh, we can start bringing some of this these difficult memories of the past into consciousness mm -hmm. and as we do that we're not as intent on protecting ourselves right this is something that parents can do or that you know, partners can do for their partners when they know oh. that type and that type of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And the best thing we can do for anyone is holding the space. Mm. So when our kids come home from school or our partners come home from a difficult way, a difficult day at work. Yeah. <coughs> the great gift is can we just listen? And that's one of the greatest things we can do. Wow. We don't have to come up with solutions. Uh -huh. uh, in fact, we don't. That's <laughs> the worst thing we can do. <laughs> but holding the space for someone and allowing them to speak about it wow. is so valuable, particularly mm -hmm. for kids, of course. Yeah. Uh, and with 
so that they feel held mm. and it's safe to express these things. Mm. They're not alone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that is beautiful. Yeah. Is Enneagram all around the world? I guess. Yeah, it is. Um, mm. There is, it's, it, it's probably had its major growth in the US kind of 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. But it, there's a thing called the International Enneagram Association, mm -hmm. which, um, yeah, it is pretty much everywhere. Mm. Um, yeah, and they have meetings all around the world. Mm. You can probably find a, an Enneagram group uh, wherever you go. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. So, And I, I guess it's, it's now beginning to move into... Uh, well, it has already in the States into business, into the corporate world. So a lot of coaches are using the Enneagram uh, as a coaching tool. Mm. And kind of how do you become more effective without the limitations of personality? How do you become more authentic? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so mm. it's, a, it's a great coaching tool. Mm. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I guess every we spend so much time at work or, you know, the working people of, of our population spend so much time at work and having that ability to have an even better time or, you know, to, mm. to you know, because there's always that one co-worker often actually um, that, you know, wraps you up the wrong way and what have mm. you. But I've seen that being turned around really quickly and sometimes, you know, it, it's possible even without knowing these tools. But if you do need know these tools, of course, you can take the whole relationship with mm. the, with your co-workers to a very different level and therefore yeah. brings so much more joy into your life. Yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of these coaches work with the whole team uh, so that they're actually not only exploring their own dynamics mm -hmm. but they're also exploring the dynamics between the team. Correct. And from the lens of the Enneagram. You know, why do you want to keep being in charge here? Yeah. Um, you know, why... why yeah, why do you want to withdraw into your room and mm -hmm. think deep thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's why you're running around helping people all the time instead of getting on with your job. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, it has a very uh, direct application in, in work environment. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that because not only might you not get your job done or you're unhappy about it, but um, you... If if you don't get to where you want, you start to get stressed yeah. and your mental health declines, yeah. which has so many different flow-on effects. You know, yeah. you're, you're on fight and flight to start with, so your body actually is getting sick, but also your relationships may su suffer about it because you're stressed. You, I don't know, you think too much about work and the conflict and so on. There's so much, and mm, I think there's often nowadays focus on the physical health. Um, and we talked about that uh, yesterday when we had a little phone call and, and um, we were pointing out that, that really um, there's not enough focus actually on, on mental health because mm. um, it doesn't help you to go that extra 15, like let's say you go an hour every day to the gym and work extra hard. It will not help you with the baggage or the the problems that you might have in your, in your psyche. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Actually, mm. sometimes it'll make it worse. Uh, you know, we have these addictions in life and... That can be work itself, yeah. Or it can be going to the gym, or mm. uh, it can be helping people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, talking about, so I think uh, psychological health is very important. Mm. And you know, a few people in a team that are down the levels of health can have a very destructive impact on the team. They make it miserable for themselves and they make it miserable for the rest of the team. Yeah. So how do we actually begin to allow them to move up the levels of health? Yeah. Yeah. On, on that, um, <coughs> of course, if we keep going down the levels of health, mm -hmm. we move from kind of personality structures to uh, personality disorders. So it kind of becomes quite dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. So the one, the reformer, who's trying to fix everything, their particular personality dysfunction would be obsessive-compulsive disorders. Oh. Yeah. They, uh, oh. 
everything needs to be right. And, and this only happens when <coughs> when they've been moving down the levels for, yes. for some time. But it, it means that each of the types tends to um, finish up in a particular disorder um, as if they become unhealthy enough. Mm. So there's a particular way of going insane <laughs> for each of the types. Wow. So I guess Which is quite shocking when you think about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess th th the lower the level of health, probably the easier it is to see the type, would you say? On yes, I suppose so. It becomes quite obvious. Mm -hmm. yeah. And they yeah, their behavior becomes even more amplified mm. and more dysfunctional. Yeah. And they become more self-absorbed. Yeah. And less aware of what, what they're doing. And more convinced that it's the world that's treating them badly. Yeah. Here's a question that I wonder whether some people listen to and think, listen to you and, and <coughs> think, well, they can't help me. So I guess my question is, as long as there's a willingness in a person, no matter which level of health they are of their type, mm -hmm. as long as there's a willingness to wor work through it, can it always be done or are there the hopeless cases? Mm. Often people need to hit a crisis before they have the willingness. Right, that's the driver, huh? Yeah. Scare. I mean, sometimes if they're lucky, they go to a workshop and they have that oh shit experience um, and they start to look at their relationships differently. Mm. Sometimes that's beyond their, uh, their capabilities, that they're so entangled in their personality that they can see nothing else. Wow. And, um, but eventually, you know, I always believe everyone's given an opportunity, yeah. whether it's a crisis or their partner leaving or they get fired or, and hopefully at that point there's enough help around to begin the journey back up the levels. Mm -hmm. um, my teacher always says that once you're down at level eight, uh, so there's eight and nine, which is getting pretty dysfunctional. Ah, one is the best, nine is the worst. Yeah. yeah. If you're down at level eight or nine, you actually need outside support to wow. to kind of move you back up yeah. to, uh, yeah. to higher levels. Yeah. You can't craziness that's taken you down the levels oh. um, the mind that's taken taken us down there isn't going to take us back out yeah that is amazing that's beautiful but I, every now and then I'm asked by people do you know what I could do they ask for help you know that yeah. not asking can you help me but more like do you know what I can do because I, I know there's an issue and I don't know where to, to turn yeah, yeah. So this sounds like one of those those tools that really they're wide enough to, yeah. to uh, rein people into that yes. focus point. Well, of it's, very, it's very neutral. You know, it doesn't yeah. require any religious beliefs or it doesn't require any beliefs at all. <laughs> 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 it just observes that there are nine behaviors. Yeah. And most people can relate to that pretty easily. Mm. And, uh, of course, once it really just requires curiosity <laughs> and uh, courage. Mm. Mm. Well, that's beautiful. So if, if people want to know more about the Enneagram and the work that you particularly do as well, what, what would be, how would you, where would you point them to? We have a website. Mm. It's called um, the Enneagram Academy mm -hmm. dot com. Um, there you'll find a little uh, questionnaire that you can do, mm -hmm. uh, which is free. Uh, so if you want to begin the journey of mm. finding out what type you are, um, that's a good spot to start. Mm -hmm. Questionnaires are inherently unreliable, hmm. so it's it really is just a beginning point. Yeah, there's a lot of material on the website about uh, describing the various types much more fully than I've described them yeah. here. There are a couple of videos on the website, and there's an excellent book uh, written by. It's called The Wisdom of the Enneagram which is written by Riso and Hudson. Hmm. Oh, thanks a bell. Yeah, and r really is a profoundly useful book. 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> also, that, so people who lo love books and want to find out even, you know, once they might have an idea what, what type that could be. Yeah, I mean, there are lots, like. lots of quotes and descriptions and examples. Mm. And uh, we use it in our workshops. Uh, and it describes very well mm. uh, all the aspects of the Enneagram. Mm. Beautiful. Thank you, Robert. That was, that was really insightful. I wish I would have more time. I think you can dive deep into each type so yes, much more. Yeah, can. Or the yeah we could talk uh, forever. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Well, thank you very much for for spending the time with us. Um, I look definitely forward to go further into that. And um, I, I'm aware of of workshops that you do around the. Yes, we've project. been uh, busily cancelling workshops all year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we do uh, workshops. They're on the website. Yeah. Th are they normally weekend workshops or yeah, also one day? Three-day workshops. Three-day workshops. Uh, okay. And it's, it's important to have that much time to really drop in. Yeah. And do these uh, experiential exercises that we've talked about. Great. And would you recommend people to come without anyone else they know? Or, you know, I said either way. Uh, I'm inclined for them to come alone. Yes. Okay. Uh, they can really do their work yeah. without being too concerned about what the other person is doing. Very exciting. And then maybe their partner or does another can come the next time. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Sebastian. Is there anything yeah. else you want to add? Or no, I think uh, we've covered the topic pretty Brilliant. well. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah, Go you. well. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Sauna Show. My name is Sebastian Mirau, and this episode was sponsored by Clearlight Jacuzzi Saunas, the world's leading provider of superior quality, full-spectrum infrared saunas. You can find more information and resources for this podcast at thesaunashow.com, all one word, or on Instagram at thesaunashow. Please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and share this episode with friends. Until next time, have the best day ever.